Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to City Church Online. My name is Seth, and I am super glad you guys decided to tune in today. If you don't know who I am, I am a part of the staff here at City Church, and uh, I'm what you would call a church planning resident slash intern, and what that affords me at times is the opportunity to come and bring you guys a message over the weekend. I'm super excited about today. We are a couple weeks into our Colossians series, and if this is your first time tuning in with us, I want to say, one, glad you're here. Welcome. And two, don't feel like you've missed a beat. You can go to our uh, website online and catch up on the previous messages from this series, and you'll be right back on track. But today, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, talking about Uh, cross-cultural experiences, culture shock, and what it looks like to operate uh, in a place unlike our own. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever left your house before? I know right now in this season, it might have been a minute since you left your house, but in general, have you ever left your house? In your house, you are going to be most you. And what I mean by this is that you are not going to be more comfortable. You are not going to have more confidence than you do in your house. You build a set of cultural characteristics that you live by inside of your home. So the moment we leave our home, we experience new cultures. I go to a neighbor's house. At my neighbor's house, it, it's custom to take off your shoes, to not eat with your elbows on the table. Or you go to your parents or your in-laws down the street, same thing. They have different experiences inside of their home. Now, you can also go a couple states away and still feel this this cultural tension that happens. I had family in over the weekend. My mom and my sister uh, were here from Texas, and they were commenting all weekend long about how different Texas is from Colorado. They were talking about the weather and how, man, you guys have it so easy because it's not as hot here. My sister was commenting on the traffic lights, saying that we don't have any green arrows on our traffic lights. So she was like, how do I know I'm supposed to turn? And I mean, that's honestly something I've never thought of, but it's a cultural norm of mine. And so I guess if I were put in a different context, I might notice, maybe. Um, But just over and over again, all throughout the weekend, just commenting how different our two places are from each other. And, you know, usually when people talk about, you know, a cross-cultural experience, their brain automatically jumps to having to go across the world to experience that. I just wanted to uh, bring it to our attention that, man, you don't got to travel across the world to experience a different culture. It can happen right outside your front door. So what I want you to do is, if you would, write in the comment box below what cross-cultural experience you have had because we'd all love to hear about it. And now while you're you're writing out that story, I want to share you one of mine um, a couple of years ago, I got to go to Guatemala. I spent an entire summer in Guatemala working with a group of missionaries uh, who were there doing uh, work with orphanages and feeding centers. And 
we got to host groups that came in from the states, whether that was a college, a medical team, another church, whatever it may be, we got to host them each week and, and would do specific projects based on the group. So this one particular week, um, the one I want to share with you is a, uh, a medical team came in from a university here in the States. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but they came in and we were going to do a mobile medical setup in a city called La Gomera. Now, if you're not familiar with Guatemalan geography, La Gomera is a coastal city about four hours down the mountain and through the jungle. It's a pretty cool place. This is actually a picture of me standing on the uh, black sand beaches in La Gomera. What, what I wish I would have gotten a picture of was there was a crab shack about half a mile to the left of this picture that had the best seafood I had ever eaten. Um, while we were there, though, we got to help out one of the orphanages that, uh, that was functioning in La Gomera. We, uh, <laughs> I, I was a uh, young and uh, a subpar photographer, but I wish you could have gotten the whole glimpse. There were tons of kids going off this way on more tables and tons of kids going off this way. And uh, while we were there, we also got to set up a mobile medical center out of the church and this is actually the missionary. I don't know if you guys can see him very well. His name is Dick Bass. His wife is Barbie. And they have a relationship with this church and other orphanages and feeding centers in the Guatemala area. But needless to say, it uh, was a life-changing experience. I had a great time while I was there. I experienced things I will never forget um, for the rest of my life. And what I want to share with you is that while we were driving down there, we passed this diner on the road. And uh, Dick and Barbie had told us that this was a good tourist spot. It's, it's one of those places that if you're passing it, you should probably stop and eat because it's, it's an experience. And so they told us after we finished all of our work for the day, if we had time, we would stop on our way back. So we get to the end of the work day, get everything cleaned up, everybody back in the van, and we take off. And we left kind of at like that cusp of, yeah, we're on time, but we still left a little bit late, like just depending on how cautious you want to be. And so we take off, and uh, as we get closer to where we saw this diner, everybody in the car is just blowing up. Can we please stop? Can we please stop? Like, how often do you get to stop at, at one of the uh, main, main spots to eat in, a, in Guatemala, right? In the, in the middle of a jungle. And so we finally talked Dick, Dick and Barbie into it, and, and we stop and we eat there, and they were like, okay, it's, it's pretty late. You know, we'd like to beat the sun um, going down, so let's go in, grab some food, and then take off. Well, what was supposed to be a quick in and out turned into about an hour and a half. And by the time we got back to the van, the sun was down and it had started raining. And Dick and Barbie's demeanor, of, of demeanor had completely shifted. They were happy-go-lucky missionaries the whole first part of the day. And we get to this moment and you just see tension across their face. I mean, like you could feel it in the air. And so Dick and Barbie asked me to sit up front with them. I, I was living under their house, and so I was immediately under his, his care, and like he was responsible for me. And so he put me up front in between him and his wife, and he said, I want you both to sit here, put your jackets on, and put the hoods over your heads. And uh, Dick began to explain to us some of the cultural differences between Guatemala and our home. I mean, back at home, I could drive in the dark, with, with confidence and comfort and, and a sense of security. But this particular road that we were driving on was heavily trafficked by gang activity after the sun went down. 
he began to tell us how it's not uncommon for people to be pulled out of their cars, thrown in the ditch, and then the car just take off at the least. And so we start down this uh, road, and as we're going, he's looking back and telling the rest of our group that, hey, you know what? Turn your phones off completely. Don't let any light shine through the window just in case somebody's watching. They won't see you in the back. And long story short, we made it all the way back to Guatemala safe and sound. We were, everybody was okay. Nothing happened. But the intensity of the moment scared me to death. I, I'll probably never forget that feeling the rest of my life. I, I did not know that the way that I thought and the things that I saw were processed differently in a different culture. The sun going down doesn't phase me here. I can't, I have to turn my headlights on, but it doesn't keep me from driving. In Guatemala, it is one of those moments where it needs to be taken seriously. There was this perception gap. I don't think, see, and feel like people in another culture. My limited exposure to other cultures around me has given me tunnel vision. I want to give you one more example. I just got a new pair of glasses. These are my new glasses. Love these things. I have been rolling with a similar pair the last two years, but what I didn't know was I was wearing the wrong prescription. I had missed—I uh, had messed up the, uh, the prescription when I bought them online because I was trying to save a little cash. So I put in my own prescription, ordered some glasses, got them warm for two years, thinking that I was able to see at 100%. I ordered these with my original prescription and put these on and realized that I had maybe been seeing at a 60 or 70% level this entire time. Like, put them on, and my eyes were completely open. Like, I was sitting at the table, and I looked over to the fridge, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can read everything on the fridge. I thought it was just normal not to be able to see that far. And uh, Maddie and Drake and some others were sitting around me, and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, you haven't been able to see the last two years? How did you drive, or how did you function? And, and I didn't know because it was, it was normal to me. I didn't know that I couldn't see. And so my point to all this is, the challenge that we have when we sit in one culture for so long is that we begin to see the things around us as normal. We become numb to outside cultures. All it takes is an encounter with a culture unlike our own to remind us of how limited our perspective is. And so here's what I wanna do today. I want to ask you the question, is it possible that some of our perspective when it comes to the life we live, the things we value, and the ways that we think is inconsistent or incomplete with the reality of the kingdom of God that Jesus consistently talked about? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul is bringing, um, Paul is bringing a conversation to a new group of believers, a, a new group of uh, church planters, people that have just begun a relationship with Jesus. Much like City Church, City Church is a new church plant, and he's bringing this conversation to them around their identity. You see, when I was in Guatemala, this is very important. When I was in Guatemala, I was a citizen of the United States. My passport said, belongs to the USA. My license uh, at the time said, home address somewhere in Texas. But my residency for a season was in Guatemala. You see, this is what it is like when we meet Jesus, and this is what Paul is going to unpack for us today, is that when we meet Jesus, it's like entering into a completely different culture. He reshapes our understanding, the way that we see, our perspective of the world. He gives us the correct prescription. Your citizenship is in the kingdom. 
and your residency is here on the earth for a season. This is a good definition of what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is what the world looks like when Jesus gets his way. I want you to keep this in your mind as we talk about, I'm going to use this terminology of the kingdom of God quite a bit today. And so as I, as I say that, I want you to think of this definition. It's what the world looks like when Jesus gets his way. So as we begin to talk about the church of Colossians and, and Paul addressing them, he says, okay, okay, guys, I want to help you understand what it means to love God and love people. And it starts here right now with our perspective. Paul is saying that I want you to know that the moment you meet Jesus, your citizenship is now transferred. Paul wants us to walk in the tension of living in this new kingdom, culture down, rather than operating out of the world around us. Now, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, but I want you to know that you are loved, safe, and welcome here. You don't have to believe to belong to this community. My only goal for each of you listening today is that you get one step closer to God from where you were when you started today. So as we begin to unpack this conversation around citizenship and the kingdom and cultures, just assess where you're at. And, and I want to invite you into an opportunity to maybe meet Jesus for the first time. We're going to be talking what it looks like to live kingdom down, not culture up. So if you would, uh, go ahead and go with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. And you follow along if you want. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. We're going to stop there. The first part, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Paul, right off the bat, is addressing new believers. He's addressing the church in Colossians where um, a group of people had decided to plant a church. And so, man, maybe, maybe uh, it's good to ask the question, how many of you out there would, would say that you were a Christian or say that you follow Jesus? Has there been a change in, a li in your life? And if you would agree to know Jesus or if you would claim to be a follower of him, what Paul is saying next is, is that there are some implications and applications that go on with this new citizenship. Moving on, it says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Paul's saying we, we need to seek the things that are above. We need to change our perspective. We need to put on the correct lenses. I'll be completely transparent with you guys, man. I struggle with this one on a daily basis. When, when Paul says, set your sights on the reality of heaven, it is very easy for me to replace heaven with work, like Work for me can become a god or an idol. I work in a body shop. I'm a PDR technician. I work off of a, a commission salary. And so to know that the amount of effort and work I put in, I get the, that much more back. It, it is a struggle at times for me to balance those two in a healthy way. But... Paul is saying here that, man, we have an opportunity to beat that when we come to know Jesus if we set our sights on the realities of heaven. Simply put, realities of heaven is kind of a hard uh, terminology to understand. What Paul is saying here is, look to Jesus. He's like, when you meet him, when you come to know him, when you have a relationship with him, look to him. The things that we look at often are the things that we're going to begin to see in our day-to-day -day life. I work at a body shop. 
I fix dents on cars. My first year in this uh, vocation, I was learning how to see dents on a car. And then from year two and on, I see dents everywhere now. People will say, you know, they'll bring a car in that has a dent about this big and say, can you fix this? And I'll say, yes, I can, but what do you want me to do about the six smaller dents that are around it? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I didn't see those. I was like, yeah, that, that's understandable. You know, I'm trained to see these. And, and the more that we look at something that we train ourselves to see, the more we're going to see it. So the more that you look at the world around you through the lens of Jesus, the more you're going to see Jesus operating and what he wants out of this world. So we need to let the things of this world be filtered by the realities of heaven. Meaning that when we see not through the filter of our culture, but through the state of the way things are actually intended to be. Paul is saying as a new Christian, the way you see needs to change. So look at Jesus. As you look at him, he's going to show you how how, our, how a citizen of heaven sees the philosophies of the world or how a citizen of heaven functions with free will or love or acceptance or fulfillment or forgiveness. Jesus is going to give you the ability to work through all of those with him. Last part of this verse says, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. I want you to know that Jesus once lived on earth and he died and he rose and ascended back into heaven. He is seated in his kingdom right now. We are operating here on the earth, which is outside of the reality and the culture of the kingdom of God. But he is operating inside of his heavenly realm, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. There's a distinct difference between the way Jesus looks at things and the way our culture looks at things. I want you to ask yourself this question. When you go to the store, how do you see the person that's behind you in line? Now, maybe not in this season with, with corona and, and social distancing and everything, but, but back in the day when, when somebody would walk up to you and kind of give you a nudge with a cart and, and ask you to keep moving forward or whatever, you know, how did you filter that in your brain? Did you like, you know, want to nonchalantly give them a, a mule kick and, and push the cart right back into them or turn around and give them your two cents of what you're really thinking? Or, or did you let the lens that you saw them be Jesus and realize that that was an opportunity to show them love or to give them grace or, or an opportunity to invite them into a city group or to city church or, or whatever it may be? The, the lens that we see, our perspective of a situation is very important. I have an opportunity to change somebody's life in a moment if I notice it. And I'm only going to notice it if I'm seeing the way that Jesus intends us to see things. What I focus on, what I think about, what I pay attention to really matters. So we need to ask the question, man, God, how should I think? How should I consider life? How should I perceive the world around me? Setting our mind is an issue of focus and tension and is something that takes a lot of discipline and a lot of motivation. The last, uh, last weekend, I got to go to this thing called Urban Scout and Survival Training. It was pretty fun. 
And, and I wouldn't call myself a survival scout enthusiast by any means, but um, my boss offered to float the bill for the trip and just wanted a group of us to go together. And so I didn't turn it down. I said, yeah, I'll come. And uh, one of the uh, missions that we were given to do was to go to this hotel in Denver and scope out a parking lot where the instructor had parked a car and we were supposed to get the car's um, information and then the license plate of his car. Now, what, um, what we did was we were given a spotting scope. And so I sat in this window for probably an hour and a half, scoping out, looking for the, the, uh, looking for this car, and then I found it. And then what I had to do after that was focus in, make adjustments, tweak the, uh, the lenses of the spotting scope so that I could see the license plate in the way that what it was intended to be seen. And that, was, that is readable. And I mean, not a fuzzy picture, not, not something that I'm guessing, but I could clearly see from six, 700 yards away what this license plate said. So my point is, living down here on earth and with the kingdom operating up here with Jesus, we need to get our minds up here with Jesus so that we can peer into the kingdom and start looking at the world down here the way that Jesus does. Let me ask you a question. Do you look at your coworkers or your spouse or your kids or, or even your parents the way that Jesus looks at them? Do you look at, at the people at the store as an opportunity for you to advance the kingdom? Or maybe you're out there and you had no idea there was this kingdom operating outside of your understanding. Let me tell you this. My, I, have a, I have a girlfriend. Her name is Maddie. If you haven't met her yet, you are missing out. And if you ever meet her, she'll be a blessing to your life. You see, our culture pushes for people to look at a relationship in a certain way. Our culture tells me that Man, I need to test drive before I buy. But when I look at my relationship through the lens of Jesus, Jesus says, I have something so much bigger, so much better, and so much greater for you if you will wait until marriage. And so I need to be looking deep and hard into the things that are in front of me and ask the question, how am I perceiving what is in front of me? How am I looking at the things that are most influential in my life? Am I looking at them through the lens of the culture or am I looking at them the way that Jesus intended for me to see them? Let's go on to verse 3. It says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When you become a Christian, the old you is dead in God. Who you were is changed at the deepest and most fundamental level. And you are dead to your old way of life, and your real life, your new life, and your eternal life is hidden with God forever. And Paul wants us to know the, it, that eternity doesn't start later when you die, but it starts now. Your citizenship is placed in the kingdom of God the moment that you meet him. And we become residents of this world for a season. Verse 4 says, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. I need to tell you guys something. The, the, the narrative of the Bible, if you read it from cover to cover, is, is a story as well as a, a depiction of what is to come. 
And one day, God is going to take his kingdom and he is going to bring it to the cultures of the earth. And that's the end. When God is done and ultimately finished with all of his work, it will be completed. And when he has finished his work, you and I, we will enter into eternity, into eternity with him in a state that we are intended to be forever. It's pretty encouraging. And, and if you don't know, man, or, or have a relationship with Jesus, I hope that you address that today, that you realize that your citizenship is still misplaced. And, and I would like to propose we're, that people fall into one of four perspectives when it comes to how we see and think about this conversation around culture and the kingdom of God. And so as I address these four perspectives, I want you to really think about which one it is that you fall into. I'm going to argue that Jesus wants, to, wants us to operate out of one of them, but wherever you're at today, I want you to see your perspective in a new light. So here we go. Perspective number one. It says, we have no concept of God's kingdom. A lot of our world operates out of this perspective. I have friends that operate out of this perspective. And there was a day in my life that I operated out of this perspective. It says that I had no understanding there was a Jesus that loved me, that a God that wanted to save me, that there was a kingdom out there that I'm invited to be a part of. I had no idea about it all. It says that I did not know that God wanted to bless me. The, the people inside of this perspective, they acknowledge and see the cultures of the world around them, the things that they can taste, see, touch, and feel. That, that's what is the driving force. Now, this is oftentimes a disappointing perspective to have because we look for fulfillment and, and peace and love and, and, and joy in the things that we can see and put our hopes and dreams in, but oftentimes they fall flat and we, we leave them disappointed and probably in a worse position than we were when we found them. There's a second perspective that says, God bless our kingdom. Now, the difference between perspective one and perspective two is that these people do know Jesus, but that the way they see the world doesn't really change. It says, God, thank you for saving me, but I have my purpose for my life. I have a direction I wanna go. I have um, things that I wanna do, so I will ask you to just make it all happen for me. Bless my kingdom. This is a very human-centered view of God, not a kingdom-centered view. They'll take the Bible and use things out of context. You know, if you take something out of context, you can get it to say whatever you want. They'll, they'll take verses the, of the Bible that say God is love and that God serves and then use it to build this argument that says, if God loves me and he serves me, then, then I can ask him for whatever I want and he'll give it to me. Again, this is gonna be a very disappointing perspective to carry. I don't know if you're watching today and, and you, you realize may, maybe this is where I've been operating. I wanna tell you that there is something bigger, better, and greater out there for you than this human-centric view of, of how God operates. We can't just cherry pick the Bible and get it to say what we want. God has fulfillment and peace and joy planned for your life if you will let him work in it. Perspective number three says, God, be our life insurance. This is a hard one. It, it believes in God, 
It knows that there's a, a, a Jesus out there that has saved us, that has forgiven us, but it misses out when it believes that Jesus can change our life. It says, God, God doesn't really help out until you die. Or um, I heard this often as a kid, give your life to Jesus and when you die, you'll go to heaven. Man, these are true statements, but they're incomplete. Yes, God, I believe you can forgive me now and then when I die, you'll save me later. But what about the many years that are in between those two? This perspective misses out in the fact that Jesus has the ability to change your life in the middle ground. We put God in a jar when when we say that he can only forgive us and save us. Again, this is gonna be a very disappointing life to live when, when you find Jesus and then fight the, the conviction and the confusion and the lack of growth throughout your life to only meet him afterwards and, and it be unfulfilling. But there's a fourth perspective and the fourth perspective, this is the one I believe Jesus wants us to hold on to. This is the one that, man, is going to connect all the dots. And it says this, the kingdom of God begins the moment you meet Jesus, not the day you die. It begins the moment that we meet Jesus because it's an eternal life. Not just because it lasts forever, but because it begins the moment that we meet him. What I do with the remainder of, what I'm going to do with the remainder of our time is talk about this already but not yet culture, this fourth kingdom perspective. There's a lot of big um, theological talk in in some circles that use this already but not yet terminology. I've heard this for years and I never knew what it meant until very recently while studying this passage. And I'm going to share it with you guys today. So already but not yet. God sees things in eternity and completion. When God sees us, he sees all saved, heaven and hell, the kingdom already coming to earth, victory, battle already won. He sees it all completed in in his sight. That is already. And then the not yet part is not yet experienced by us. We are here in the middle ground. Not at the end. We're not done. God is still in processing and we are here waiting patiently and growing continually. That being said, when it comes to the issue of the kingdom of God and the culture, here's what we need to know. We're to live live as citizens of the kingdom. As citizens of the kingdom, we we are to live like the person we will be, not the person we used to be. When we are a part of the kingdom of God, he gives us a new identity. God has an intended purpose for us all. He wants us to live like the person that we will be so that, and not like the person we used to be. And we get to know the culture and we, and we get to live in such a way that when we do this, people get hungry for who Jesus is. They get to see a glimpse of Jesus through you. If you belong to the kingdom of God, When you meet him, one day you will be perfect. You will be the way that he had intended you to be. And so I want you today, start thinking of yourself in that final state because here's the truth. God is working on you, but he is not done with you. And what Paul is doing here in Colossians chapter three is drawing this line between 
your citizenship of the kingdom and your citizenship of the earth. And he's saying, if you're a citizen of the kingdom today, I want you to live in the culture of the kingdom, not the culture of the earth. I want you to start to live like the person you're going to be for eternity, not like the person you used to be. And that starts here today, living kingdom down, not culture up. I'm going to invite Daniel to come down and play for me as we close. And man, guys, I am excited. Uh, I was ex excited to bring this conversation to you today. Next week, Drake is going to talk about the ways that we conduct ourselves um, as citizens of this new kingdom. But today, this week, I wanted to give you a big picture of the kingdom that Jesus is inviting all of us into. So again, I don't know where you're at today in your spiritual journey or, or what your understanding of God is or what your perspective is on culture and the kingdom of God operating in, in the world around you. But if you wanna know more about how to meet Jesus, to start a relationship with him, you can text follow to the number below on the screen. And we have a team ready to help you walk through those next steps with him. I want every one of you to understand that we need to today, right now, see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom. And if the kingdom starts the day that we meet Jesus, not the day we die, then Jesus invites us to live like that person. And if we live like that person, man, the things that we do matter. We have some values here at City Church and we base these values off of the teachings of Jesus and what Paul tells us and some of the authors in the Bible that say a person who operates out of the kingdom of God is going to live with radical generosity. They're gonna live consistently transparent because these are the thing that God values in his kingdom. So start living that way today. My relationship with Maddie, the way that I treat her, the way that I talk to her, give her my attention, it probably matters if I'm gonna live like the person I will be, I need to pay attention to those things. Here's the kicker, if I don't live like the person I will be and hold on to the person I used to be, then the people around me that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus are getting a foreshadow of something completely undesirable. So let me ask you a question. Do the people around you want what you have? I have some action reflection steps for you as we close. I want you guys to do these tomorrow. Make a list of the areas in your life where you spend most of your time and energy. Three to five places, home, work, the gym, wherever it is, make a list, get it down on paper. And then two, ask God to show you one area from your list where you have lost perspective. I did this this last week and, and I'm gonna continue to do it next week. But I wrote down and the top of my list was work. I prayed and asked God, man, help me get, help fill my gap of perspective at work. Change the way that I see my coworkers, the way that I think about my job. Give me integrity, uh, ambition. Let these people see you through my actions at work. So what I want you to do is step number two. And the three, be the person God intended, to, intended you to be in that area tomorrow. Man, live like the way you're supposed to live, the way that God has intended for you to live in that area. And then lastly, repeat it until you're all the way through your list. Man, maybe, maybe your home right now is the place that's missing, has the biggest perception gap. Start there. And then maybe after that, it's work or the gym. 
if you pray about these things, get it down on a list and start today, man, we can see lives change. Your life will change. The people around you will begin to, to see Jesus in and through your life because of the way that you look at the world around you. I say thank you guys for tuning in today. I'm gonna pray for us as we close. God, I thank you for these people watching. Man, I pray that you bless man, everyone that is uh, here with us today, God. If there's any of us that are struggling with our, man, perspective of you, perspective of your kingdom, I pray that you break down those walls, bring us um, just a new understanding of who you are. Let today be a milestone in our lives in regards to how we see your kingdom operate in the world around us. We love you, God. Thank you. Amen.